One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Today is Wednesday, December 4th, 2019. On this day in 1997, Moses Sitole was found guilty of 38 counts of murder and 40 counts of sexual assault, making him one of the most notorious serial killers in South African history. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Kevin Allison of The Risk Podcast, where people tell true stories they never thought they'd share in public. He's here to discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story while I'll cover the narrative. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to dive into the drawn out trial of Moses Sitole and the repercussions of his sentencing. Now, let's go back to December 4th, 1997, as a Pretoria courtroom waits patiently for the judge to pass his verdict. The trial had been an arduous one. Over a year had passed since 33 year old Moses Sitole first appeared in the courtroom accused of so many horrific murders. Justice David Ker Lewis listened to an agonizing parade of evidence from the prosecution. They brought forth over 140 witnesses. It took over 13 months. And the proceedings cost $229,000. Now, on December 4th, Moses Sitole looked like a dead man already as he waited for judgment. Diagnosed as HIV positive upon entering prison, his declining health had been one of the principal factors delaying this already painfully drawn out case. He was as put together as he ever looked. Wearing a double breasted suit, turning his gold rimmed glasses over in his hands. Justice Ker Lewis took a deep breath and read the verdict. Sitole's confession, which the defense claimed was given under duress, would stand. The evidence indicated that Mr. Moses Sitole was guilty. Over the next three hours, Ker Lewis read out each charge. And pronounced Sitole's guilt. By the evening, Sitole had been found guilty of 40 counts of rape, 38 counts of murder, and six of robbery. By the time Ker Lewis had read out his verdict, the court had to adjourn for the night, leaving the sentencing for the next day. On December 5, 1997, 33-year-old Moses Sitole was sentenced. To 12 years in prison for each count of sexual assault, 50 years each for the murders, and five years for each of his robberies. In total, this sentence amounted to 2,410 years in prison. 
he would be eligible for parole in 930 years. Up next, we discuss the crimes of Moses Sitole, as well as his current status behind bars. Now, back to the story. On December 4, 1997, 33-year-old Moses Sitole was found guilty of 40 counts of sexual assault and 38 counts of murder. He was sentenced to over 2,000 non-consecutive years in prison. My guest host, Kevin Allison, is going to take over from here to discuss the details of Sitole's crimes. Thanks, Vanessa. In the mid-1990s, South Africa was in a period of transition. The forced racial segregation, known as apartheid, ended in 1994. It was undeniably a good thing. But change often brings chaos with it. As South African communities adjusted to a new normal, a wave of crime swept through the country. Moses Sitole was not the only person to take advantage of this period of uncertainty and danger, but he would become the most notorious. Sitole grew up in a poor township outside of Boxburg in the midst of apartheid. He was first arrested in his teens for sexual assault. In 1989, he was jailed for the same crime. According to his own later accounts, Sitole harbored resentment toward women ever since. His first recorded murder was that of 18-year-old Marina Monene Monama on July 16, 1994. Between 1994 and November of 1995, he's known to have killed 37 women and one child. He lured his victims through a fabricated organization called Youth Against Human Abuse. He posed as a man looking to hire women for a high-paying job. Once he established trust, Sitole took them out into the wilderness and strangled them with their own undergarments. The deaths were eventually known as the ABC killings, named after the locations of the murders. First, Atridgeville, then Boxburg, and finally Cleveland, a suburb of Johannesburg. Toward the end of his reign of terror, he called reporter Tamson De Beer of the Star newspaper and introduced himself as the man who was committing the murders. He claimed to have killed as many as 76 women. If true, half of the bodies were never found. In another call with De Beer, she managed to determine the location of the phone booth he was calling from, and police started closing in. In an attempt to find a safe house, he reached out to his brother-in-law, who in turn contacted the police. In October of 1995, 30-year-old Sitole arranged to meet his brother-in-law at his place of work. When he arrived, he was surprised by an undercover police officer. Sitole attacked the man with a hatchet and attempted to escape. The officer shot him in the leg and abdomen, and he was arrested and taken to the hospital. While his wounds were being treated, doctors discovered that he was HIV positive. In prison, Sitole was given antiviral medication that his wife and daughter, who were also both HIV positive, would not have the resources to access. 
His trial was the subject of intense media attention. By many accounts, he was surprisingly nonchalant as he attended, reading a newspaper as forensic scientists explained their analysis methods, and even openly smiling at the testimony of friends of his victims. The entire time, he maintained his innocence. When the time came for Sitole to speak in his defense, he gave a testimony that the star described as rambling and often incoherent. Over two years after his initial arrest, he was found guilty and sentenced. He spent 14 years at Pretoria's C-Max before being transferred in 2011 to a different maximum security prison in Bloemfontein. He subsequently sued the South African government, claiming that his forced relocation harmed the emotional and psychological bond he'd been developing with his daughter. He remains there to this very day, with 2,388 years left on his sentence, 908 until parole. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Kevin, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You can find my podcast, Risk, where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share, on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. If you look for the episode called The Best of Risk, number 12, you can hear the story of a young woman who learned her father was a cannibal. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the ParCast original, Serial Killers. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon and Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 